Hey, Sarah. Where have all the good men gone? And where are all the gods? Where's the streetwise Hercules to fight the rising odds? Isn't there a white knight upon a fiery steed? <laughs> you fucking remember that? You remember that scene in Shrek 2? It kicks ass. Oh, I don't. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's holding out for a hero, which is such a... Uh, first of all, holding out for a hero fucking whips. That's a great song. It is like one of the more, I think, iconic needle drops in Shrek 2. In the Shrek franchise, to be frank, which I want to bring this up in case maybe you don't recall. I assume, I mean, we're about the same age. I assume you grew up with Shrek to some degree. Yes. Yeah. That franchise is fucking good at needle drops. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember in the, the first movie, gosh, what was the song called? Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 No. Yes. <laughs> no. What was the other one? I mean, there's a bunch. I, I, son bad of reputation. A... No. Uh, during the arena fight. No. I can't remember this fucking song. <laughs> <sighs> there's like a proclaimers song at one point, I think. There's, um, there's like the montage of Shrek and Fiona traveling back to, you know, away from her tower or whatever is set to like uh, my beloved monster and me. There's a bunch of really good needle drops in Shrek, like generally. Uh, I don't remember if it's like two or three, but there's a uh, castle siege at one point that is set to uh, that Zeppelin track. It's it's I'm a believer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a cover of uh, oh, Living La Vida Loca at one point. Like. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're right, though. I, I'm i a believer. That's another really, really good one in that franchise. I, I was trying to think about needle drops last night because we were, you know, planning to record this episode about great needle drops and um, holding out for a hero popped up in my head, which has been in a few things like it's it's also in like Saints Row 2, I think, uh, as like a needle drop going into the final mission and stuff like it's a great song, but it just like that just unlocked in me like. Oh yeah, Shrek and Shrek 2, at the very least, have killer soundtracks. They really do. I wish I could line up the scenes better in my memory, but yeah, I um, am right there with you. I had, I remember when my wife and I started dating, or well, not really when we started dating, but when we like moved in together, we consolidated our like CD collections for the car, right? And... I was, like, somewhat embarrassed that, like, a bunch of my CDs were stuff that I got, like, when I was younger, you know, like, 10, 12, uh, that I got, like, as Christmas gifts and stuff, because I've always, you know, been really into music. And I remember when consolidating our CDs being, like, kind of embarrassed, like, I have the soundtracks to Shrek and Shrek 2 in my, like, CD collection, that seems lame. Ugh. And then we popped them in on a road trip at one point, and I was like, oh, right, no, I have these because they're fucking bangers and they whip ass. Yeah, I don't feel bad about having cartoon movie soundtracks 
We're we're above that kind of feeling. <laughs> Everybody embrace the things you like. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are great, great soundtracks and really, really just well done in terms of like when they drop in, in the films. And that is what we're here to talk about today. Needle drops in movies and TV shows, that's fine too. Specifically, James Gunn movies. Yeah, I think James Gunn has sort of garnered a reputation as one of the best in the business at selecting soundtracks for his films and at like pulling off really great needle drops in the midst of his projects. He and Edgar Wright, I think, are like the two directors that when you hear they're attached to something, you immediately are like, oh, this is going to have a really good soundtrack. Yeah, I was just thinking of Baby Driver earlier today. Because of how good that is. The needle drops are great. Yes, Baby Driver is a classic. The Scott Pilgrim movie uh, mm. is uh, kind of a weird case in that like half of that soundtrack is just stuff written for the film. But there are a couple there are a couple like actual needle drops of other, you know, pre-existing songs uh, in there, like uh, Boring by the Sea and like stuff like that that are really good as well. And of course, Shaun of the Dead has that great needle drop in the the winchester when they're fighting zombies and the jukebox starts playing don't stop me now that's a classic oh that's that's good anywhere i haven't seen sean the dead but don't stop me now is perfect oh no you haven't seen sean the dead uh, oh shoot you didn't hear that moving along more um, important more James importantly <laughs> More importantly, I have to know this now. Um, Shaun of the Dead is good. I like Shaun of the Dead. What I more desperately need to know if you've seen is Hot Fuzz. I have not. Oh, shit. We're doing an episode about Hot Fuzz at some point. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. I've just learned to give in at this point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all three of the Cornetto trilogy films are really good, but uh, Hot Fuzz is my personal favorite. Anyway, yes, as you were saying, uh, to the point, James Gunn needle drops. Let's hit it. Yes, although I would like to clarify that I think when we say James Gunn, we do mean like the production collectively. I'm sure he has a, a big hand to play in it, but there's a lot of a lot of components, a lot of people working on this music, working on the, the design and getting the scenes put together that I think is noteworthy as well. So when we say James Gunn, we mean that whole package. That's a super good point. Yeah, I, I'm sure like editors and all that stuff play like a huge role in that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people involved in like licensing, <laughs> like approving <laughs> what tracks he picks and how much they can pay for them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a very good point. A lot of, a lot of, huh, that's weird. The turn of phrase that I wanted to say just there was a lot of hands in that soup, which is uh, not <laughs> not a real thing that people say. That's like a weird version of I have, <laughs> I have my fingers in all the pies. Yeah, I think I was combining that with like too many, too many cooks spoil the broth or whatever. Well, you know, you know what they say. <laughs> my tummy has a rumbling for. Only, only, only what hands can crave. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm craving that. Only. <laughs> I can't even. Llamas with hats, okay? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. My tummy says the rumble, <laughs> the rumblies that only hands could satisfy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but today we are specifically talking about needle drops in the uh, the four primary James Gunn films so far. Yeah, the big his uh, post trauma shit. <laughs> Guardians <laughs> one onward. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you watched Guardians 1 and 3, so why don't you start us off, Ethan? Yeah, Guardians 1 is definitely, I think, kind of what set the tone, like, where he garnered this reputation for being good at this really specific aspect of filmmaking. I mean, I mean to be fair, it's a very popular film. It's He's very good at many aspects of filmmaking. I, I think one of the big takeaways people had from the first Guardians was like how good that soundtrack was and how well used it was in the film. And you start to see that pretty much from the jump. The opening title sequence, obviously sort of that cold open, if you will, is, you know, Peter's mother dying and Peter getting taken by the Ravagers, which seems like this classic sort of set up for a tragic backstory for the hero, right? Like, he suffered this terrible loss. Naturally. He's abducted. Yeah, it seems very grim. And then we see him, you know, we cut to Peter as an adult, and he's on this weird sci-fi, like, cave planet thing that looks all weird and alien, and there's these little lizard guys, and... He's in like a cool mask and leather jacket, and it seems like it's going to be, you know, fairly serious. And he pops on his cassette player and starts like dancing and singing along to Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. <laughs> and it's it's wonderful. It's like a very great moment of like tone setting for the rest of the film. And the choice of song is just really perfect it it works on so many levels like it's really upbeat and fun which again helps with that tone setting i was talking about it is it sort of locks you into like the era of music that is going to be prominent throughout the movie it matters from a story and character perspective like for peter because because of that sort of time locking that I just mentioned, like this is his mom's music yeah. that she liked when she grew up and stuff like it. It's really, really artful. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about the Guardians franchise or trilogy, I guess. Uh, well, they have the holiday special, too. So franchise. Oh, yeah. I need to watch that. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, like, one of the things that I appreciate about it is, I think I've touched briefly on, in previous episodes, uh, on, like, how much I like music, how music is, like, a pretty important aspect of, like, culture to me, and Star-Lord is a, in a weird way, like, feels representative to me, because I think Peter Quill cares about music in the same way that I do. Like I I work in the music department at this university and I get asked a lot if I have 
like a musical background, like if I play any instruments or anything like that. And I don't. And I'm like, I, I don't know, it would be cool to learn to play like guitar or piano or something. But it's never really been like a, a focus for me. Like I've never really wanted to go into like the production side of music. But I it just music is like such a huge aspect of my life. Like I'm never not listening to something. And I, I think Peter feels a very similar way, which I really enjoy seeing. Yeah, there's a very deep connection for him and music. For this episode, I just finished watching Guardians 3. Guardians 2. Guardians 2, shoot, yeah. And there's a line in there uh, toward the end after Kurt Russell has uh, has broken his cassette player, his Walkman, and he puts it on the kind of like the same pedestal as his mom dying. He says, you shouldn't have killed my mom and squished my Walkman and like angrily attacks Kurt Russell. <laughs> Ego. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's someone who deeply deeply loves and needs music in his life absolutely yeah so i think that moment is great setup and then there are of course like lots of these other little great needle drops and musical moments sprinkled through the movie i kind of tried to i didn't want to hit every single great music moment because i didn't want to take up a, a giant chunk of the episode <laughs> just talking about Guardians 1. But I, I narrowed it down to a few of my favorites. So obviously, Come and Get Your Love, yes. uh, huge. That's a perfect. A great pick. It's a joyful scene, him kicking those little alien rat <laughs> things and splashing through the water. I love it. Good choice. <laughs> I also really love shortly after like everyone is arrested and taken to the kiln, there is a scene in which one of the prison guards there is like messing with and listening to Peter's Walkman and the song playing is Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Swede, which if I remember right, was like the trailer song for the first Guardians. And goddamn, what a beat. Like, what a great track. Yeah, great opening, too. It's a, like iconic beginning to a song. Yes. It's it's so catchy. I, I love that song. Yeah, I'm just kind of bobbing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's another, like, really nice sort of scene for Peter that establishes, like, just how important this stuff is to him as a character because he gets angry and confronts the guard like not just because he's messing with peter's personal effects right like it's more specific than that if i remember right and it's been a couple months actually since i watched this movie i meant to rewatch it this week and i had kind of a rough week and didn't have time but um if i remember right like peter calls out specifically like that's hooked on a feeling by blue swede that's my song uh, he's really offended on a personal level, like not just that this guy is messing with his stuff, but like he's not even, you know, he's not showing respect to like the artist and stuff like that. Like, I think that's a really strong moment of characterization that even in this like really bad situation, like he's being hunted by 
three bounty hunters at this point that he knows of, like Gamora, Rocket, and Groot. Um, and they've all just been arrested together, and they're in, like, this super max, like, space prison that's, like, space Alcatraz or whatever, and no one can break out of it, supposedly, and all this stuff. <laughs> and, like, the thing that pisses him off and, like, ruins his day is that someone else fucked with his Walkman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything else was just another Tuesday, but, but <laughs> yeah. not appreciating Hooked on a Feeling, it's not gonna fly. Exactly. I, I really like that little piece of characterization. Yeah, that's also a good pick. I mean, it's a great song choice. I, I would have, I think, noted that just for the song choice, but I didn't, I didn't think about the impact on the scene that it had. It's an interesting observation. Yeah, I am interesting. You're right. You are, yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking, though, of just like a song being a good song choice, regardless of whether it adds that much to a scene, just want to take a quick moment to shout out Moon Age Daydream by David Bowie being the song that plays as the Guardians approach nowhere. I don't think it's additive to the scene in the same way that my first two picks were. It's just kind of like a space thing is happening. So here's a song about space. However, it's a fucking great Bowie track. I I'm a huge David Bowie fan and I really like Moon Age Daydream. It's it's just this sort of classic weird Bowie. Like the lyrics are insane and... Like, the music is kind of odd and spacey. Like, it, it just, it's a real Bowie track through and through. And uh, I'm always happy to see it pop up. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to just have familiar, fitting music. But, I mean, it doesn't always have to serve the, the plot or the scene. Or, Admittedly, I haven't listened to much David Bowie just by circumstance. So I, I don't immediately recognize that song. But... I'm sure it's legit. Yeah, it's very good. It's off Ziggy Stardust and the... Sp er, sorry, let me give it the full title. The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> a really a solid album through and through. Uh, love that album. I mean, I'm a sucker for a concept album anyway. Uh, I, 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 I highly recommend that whole album to anybody who hasn't like listened to it. I think people know kind of a few tracks off of it that are, are really big, like the, the title track, you know, Ziggy Stardust, I think is one of the first songs that people think of when they think of Bowie and there's some Starman and stuff like there's some other big, big songs on there, but some of the smaller, like the stuff you don't hear as much like uh, rock and roll suicide or, Oh, Lady Stardust is uh, really, really good. Uh, just a good, good album. Anyway. Yeah. Moon Age Daydream, very like sort of brief little moment in Guardians 1, but I just really like that song, so I wanted to shout it out real quick. I've noticed, on that note, James Gunn does a good job of sliding in bits and pieces of songs, needle drops, if you will, that just fit the mood in the scene, but they don't take up a lot of space. They just kind of come and go, and I, I didn't even notice some of them. I had to really focus and pay attention to catch all of them. Yeah, I was looking at the track listing for the first film 
earlier to try to kind of get in my head like yeah you know what are what are the scenes where these pop up and all that kind of stuff and there are several that it's like yeah i remember that being in here i just don't remember where like uh there's actually there's this very specific song in guardians 3 that i'm like i love that song it was stuck in my head for days after watching the movie i don't remember what the scene it is that it plays in but uh, we'll get to that when we get to guardians 3 mm-hmm. curious <laughs> the other the other track in the first guardians that i love is uh cherry bomb by the runaways which plays close to the climax it's like when the guardians have all sort of resolved to go to xandar and try to stop ronin and they have the classic action movie you know the crew is walking down a hallway in slow motion looking cool and all that stuff and cherry bomb is playing and uh that kicks ass that's a good that's a good moment that's just a great song yeah absolutely yeah it's got good energy it does it's it's perfect for what that scene's doing right like it's it's a pump up song to get you primed for this big climactic battle speaking of big climactic battles uh i don't think this counts as a needle drop because we don't hear the song play but peter (laughs) attempts to kind of subvert the uh climactic battle at the end by challenging ronan to a dance-off by singing ooh child (laughs) which yeah not really a needle drop but a very funny moment great way to kind of cap off their confrontation oh yeah yeah that um that was a big moment but yeah definitely not a needle drop but still fun yeah very fun and yeah there's there's lots of other great songs uh in that movie but those are those are the most effective drops in my opinion for guardians one solid picks I need to go back and watch the first Guardians movie. Just, yeah, it's, it's great all the way through. And having just watched Guardians 2, I should have just started with one anyway. But So like I just said, I took on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And some of my picks are probably the obvious choices, which I think just speaks to how fun they are. Of, of course, it opens with Brandy by Looking Glass uh, with Peter Quill's mom and Ego. Uh, singing in the car and so that that's a pretty big one but I, I think just the use overall of brandy throughout the movie was really good but that's not actually one of my primary picks it's just it's just a great song it's a great song it is absolutely apparently according to peter and ego it's one of the best music compositions one of the greatest of all time according to them yeah i i <laughs> I love that song for sure. The first thing I think of, though, when I think of it, is I made like a joke tweet once where I said, like, it must really annoy Brandy when the sailors tell her that her eyes could steal a sailor from the sea. Because, like, the whole point of the song is that, like, they don't, right? <laughs> like, That's a great point. Plot hole. <laughs> so I... I tweeted that and someone then proceeded to like respond to the tweet with an explanation of the song 
Like someone responded to the tweet being like, well, it's actually ironic that they would say that because ultimately the song is about how the sailor that she loves uh, doesn't leave the sea for her or whatever. And I was like, yeah, man, did you read the tweet? Like, what do you think I'm saying? (laughs) Whoosh. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that is that is exactly how the song is used in this movie. And it's foreshadowing, especially for people who don't know the comic origins, assuming they're the same. Uh, they're not well great so it's foreshadowing (laughs) for everyone that this is (laughs) that this is uh how it's gonna play out uh so yeah brandy looking glass great song glad to hear it three different times in the movie for sure but but what i first thought of when we talk about doing these movies is mr blue sky so mr blue sky by electric light orchestra is just such a fun fun sequence the opening fight is so delightful and it's just so thoughtful of Rocket to have set up this basically speaker audio system so that when they fight, <laughs> when they when they go into their fight, they they have a, a backing music. Yeah. And everything about it just works from the, the little audio sounds of Groot plugging in the cable and starting to dance to it. And gosh, it takes what could be the climatic fight at the end of a movie and turns it into this silly opening sequence. Cause I mean, cause it's a really good fight scene. Oh yeah. It's great. But it, it, the majority of it happens in the background of Groot dancing and, and it's such a fun song. Oh, I love that song. It's a very good song. So yeah, that's a immediate first pick needle drop. I mean, it's it's such an obvious choice that it's kind of boring, but at the same time, <laughs> how can I not? Uh, Mr. Blue Sky, not to be confused with Mr. Blue, which is also a great needle drop song in the series finale of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Different songs, both good. Noted, noted. I haven't watched BoJack Horseman yet. One day I might... It's good if you like being sad, oh. or if you are sad all the time as a consequence of your brain chemistry <laughs> and uh, want a, you know, several seasons long show to explore those feelings. Ooh, I might have to pass. <laughs> <laughs> the next pick I would only touch briefly on, and that is The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac is great, so that... Fuck yeah, Fleetwood Mac is great. Yes. The Chain in particular is an awesome ass song too and it it has such a weird history if i'm remembering correctly if it's the song i'm thinking of and i can only vaguely speak about it but i guess um like the two leads had some turmoil in their relationship and the chain was this kind of like love letter slash angry letter between them that they had to write together i i'm butchering the story but it it's a very complicated song and I, I think that adds to the way it's used in the movie. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac was a band of, I think, five people at the time that uh, the album Rumors was in production. And four of those people were like two married couples. Right. Mm-hmm. And both of those marriages or at least like relationships. I don't know if 
I don't know if they were both married or if it was like a one married couple and one dating couple. I don't recall anymore. But at any rate, both of those relationships like imploded. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's like a bunch of songs on that album that are like the individual members of those relationships writing songs about like the ends of those relationships. So like there's The Chain, Silver Spring, <laughs> uh, You Make Love and Fun is not Stevie Nicks, but the other the other female vocalist in Fleetwood Mac, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, it's like Christine V or something like that. You Make Love and Fun is her singing about how good her new boyfriend is at sex, which um, <laughs> must have been pretty awkward to record with your ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, they Lots of drama. Yeah. Again, it, it feels uh, like this extra level of fitting for the scene because we first hear it when Quill and Rocket have had their arguments and uh, Quill and company are going to Ego and Rocket's staying behind. So things are tumultuous. Things are not great between the, the Guardians. But then it comes back around when Quill gets to control his light powers against Ego and learns how to uh, use them with his heart, not his mind. Uh, and I think that's like a great like reclaiming and repurposing the song yeah no longer associated with their argument christine mcvee by the way i was very close you were very close i'm really impressed actually um so yeah great great song the chain the next two are the ones that just really stood out to me because of how fun their scenes are uh rocket being left alone to defend the ship that he's repairing uh, sets up a bunch of traps while the Ravagers are, you know, coming in to ambush him. And Southern Nights Please by Glenn Campbell. I don't know if you remember the scene. I remember the scene. I don't remember the song. Yeah, I'm not, like, outside of the context of this movie, I'm not overly familiar with the song. But it, again, it's joyful. It It's like violence is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket is having so much fun. He's humming along to this Southern Nights, kind of like playing over a... A little handheld radio, I think. And there's these explosives that he's set up, and he's having fun just sending people sky high over the tree line repeatedly with these explosives. And it's just a great background music to that. <laughs> I definitely remember the scene. It's a very fun scene. It is. I mean, he just... It, it looks like they're going to ambush the ship, and it turns out Rocket is ambushing them, which... <laughs> fantastic. And finally, Come a Little Bit Closer by Jay and the Americans. In a little cafe, just the, other side of the, the choreography or cinematography of this scene with Yondu, he has his new fin installed and they're breaking out of uh, being imprisoned on the Ravager ship. And he is just whistling his heart out. <laughs> <laughs> With his, his arrows zooming around and you get cool overhead views. I just I just picked all the fun fight scenes. That is really what happened here. <laughs> Come a little bit closer is one of the best in the trilogy, I think, in terms of needle drops. I remember watching the movie in theaters, really liking it. And then like later on, kind of th when thinking back on the film, being like, it feels sort of weird and fucked up that there's like, a really like 
really violent, brutal, like, Yandu kills, like, dozens of people while this really, like, upbeat, yeah. kind of fun song plays. That seems kind of fucked up thinking back on it. And then I rewatched Guardians 2, like, not that long ago, earlier this year sometime, and was like, oh, now this whips, actually. Like, I forgot that they do a very good job of making you hate all of these people. <laughs> like, yes, like, this actually feels totally justified and like deserving of like a fun song. <laughs> he kills them all. Absolutely. And also that song is really good. The Guardians one soundtrack, I think, is generally regarded as better composed, like a better a stronger collection of songs overall i like the guardians 2 soundtrack more personally mm-hmm. i listen to the guardians 2 soundtrack like a lot if i'm chilling out in my sort of like game room and want to throw on a record or whatever uh, probably 60% of the time that's the one i go to i love that soundtrack very much so i i've become very fond of come a little bit closer and i think it not only is it just like a fun song that is like you said it the scene is like well choreographed with the song and stuff it's a very apropos song choice like lyrically because the entire thrust of the song's narrative is essentially like the singer has kind of fucked with the wrong guy (laughs) and now that guy is about to show up and like destroy him (laughs) like like the song ends with him having to like flee for his life because this dude that he shouldn't have fucked with is here and is about to like annihilate him (laughs) maybe that's yondu in this case (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, like it's it's a very apropos for the scene in which Yondu ruins the day of all of the mutineers. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I just it was weirdly brutal seeing the Ravagers like send people out into space to kill them as part of the mutiny, and then gosh, just like circle around Groot. They were really obnoxious. So yeah, it was it was satisfying having them get their due. Yeah. Yeah. Those were my biggest picks. Obviously, Wham Bam, shang ling by Silver was, was uh, really good toward the end there. But uh, it didn't rank as high for me as the other ones. Yeah, that's one of those ones that I think is like, uh, that's a great song. It's like a very fun song. It's a good listen. But in, in terms of like where it's at in the movie, like as a needle drop, it's like, it's just fine. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is how... The majority of the music in Volume 2 and probably in the first Guardians movie was diegetic to some extent. It would kind of flip-flop between being played in-universe and then switching into a soundtrack. Almost all of it either came from a Walkman that you saw uh, Quill listening to, or over an intercom, or a car radio, or a ship radio, or rockets radio. Like, he worked all of them into the, the universe. Yeah. There's there's one other Guardians 2 uh, needle drop that I want to shout out really quick, which is Father and Son by Cat mm. Stevens yeah. uh, during Yondu's funeral. Um, I, I just I like that song a lot. And I think it's a very 
touching choice for that scene. I think it, the song, uh, if anyone's like not familiar with the lyrics, the verses alternate perspectives between a father and son uh, as they discuss the son's future. And the gist of it is essentially like the father saying, like, you are trying to make this big decision and like do this thing with your life. And like, I have the benefit of age and I can tell you that, you know, that's not necessarily the right call. And I know you think it's going to go this way, but like it might not. And it's maybe not worth the risk and stuff. And um, the son's verses are saying, I understand that you feel that way and that like you were trying to look out for me, but I need to do this. And like, maybe, you know, maybe you did something similar when you were my age and it didn't pan out or whatever. But like, I'm not you. And just because you think that this is going to happen or that, you know, this will affect me in this way, like that doesn't mean that that's the case. And you need to like stand back and let me do this and be my own person. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a great like for how sort of fraught but ultimately caring the relationship between Yondu and Quill is. Um, I think that song. That relationship quite well definitely and my goodness i like i knew i've watched this movie before i knew what was going to happen and i still was tearing up at yondu's death and i you know didn't have any particular feelings about yondu like the first time i watched this movie but now i'm just like it's not fair that i can know the emotional gut punch and still have it be an emotional gut punch i don't like that (laughs) for sure not cool yeah those were my picks for Guardians 2, and I did I did note a lot of the, the smaller songs, the smaller moments, but these are what really stood out to me. Yeah, those are great ones. Uh, uh, the uh, Come a little bit closer in particular is like, across all three movies, one of my favorite needle drops. It, I think, is second only to a particular drop in Guardians 3. But it's 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 very good. Well, that happens to be the next film. So what uh, <laughs> what did you think about the needle drops in three? Three is a really solid, solid soundtrack overall. I something that we haven't actually like touched on that much that I really appreciate about the three films is that the music is slowly sort of getting more modern as the three films go on. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a really cool touch. So three uh, opens with, you know, a a significantly newer song than you would maybe find in the first two, generally speaking, which is Creep by Radiohead. Uh, Specifically, it's using an acoustic version and the radio edit, since the non-radio edit has the word fuck in it. But yeah, it's uh, especially when you compare it to the first two films, who op- which open with, you know, the very fun, dancey, come and get your love, the very upbeat, uh, joyful Mr. Blue Sky. Opening the third film with this really like sad, understated, somber song like such a smart it it subverts your expectations it sets the tone that like this is kind of a more serious entry in this franchise 
you know, we're going to be dealing with a lot more heavy subject material and we're following Rocket throughout the track, which is another thing that like the first two films do. The first movie is focusing on Peter throughout the intro song, the second focusing on Groot. And now this one is focusing on Rocket and he has this very, very somber, slow piece as his like focus song, which I think is really interesting and adds uh, again, I keep talking about tone setting and like it, it's doing a lot of heavy lifting there, I think, which is great. Mm-hmm. Poor sad rocket or not even sad rocket, but just like burdened rocket. Yeah. And, and again, it's one of those things where tonally it fits very well, but also like lyrically, right? Rocket has these really deep like self-esteem issues and like in previous films has kind of expressed discomfort and uncertainty about like what he is Mm -hmm. and you know creep is all about that sort of self-loathing and the feeling that you are not good enough for the people around you Great song choice. It's a bit of a downer getting into uh, the third movie. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. But there is, for my my second pick, a much less sad, I guess, like a much more sort of energetic song uh, is my my number two pick for the Guardians, Guardians Three Needle Drops. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there and I feel like it might actually be slightly controversial. Not necessarily like between you and me, but uh to a broader audience, I'm gonna say something that maybe some of our more musically inclined listeners might have a problem with. Uh-oh. I I don't really like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I I was like they're just not my thing. I don't I don't think that they're not talented or anything like that. I just like, I just, I'm not a Beastie Boys guy, not my kind of music. Uh, that said, the totally badass hallway fight oh. towards the end, <laughs> set to No Sleep Till Brooklyn. No Sleep Till! Rocks. Like, if that is, that's a good as hell fight and like, even it being like a song that I didn't know by a band that I don't really care for that much. I was still like by the end of it, like singing along practically like, fuck you. Yeah. That whole hallway scene is just masterful, beautifully crafted. It's so good. And the, the Beastie Boys sound of like, I don't know, like, it's just, uh, it's just a song that just feels right for a fight scene, kind of, like, yeah, it's just, it's great. The I think the, you know, their penchant for having, like, very strongly punctuated vocals, if that uh, makes sense as a descriptor. No, it does. <laughs> they're, you know, they're kind of yelling, but also are very, like, short, concise. 
Yeah. It's so damn good. And there there's some other there's some other good songs kind of sprinkled throughout as as we've said about the previous two films as well. But like Crazy on You when uh, Adam Warlock first shows up. That's a good pull. Um always love a good heart track. I kind of obliquely referenced earlier that there's a song in Guardians 3 that I love and that got stuck in my head for a long time after watching it, but I don't actually remember where it appears in the movie. Um, That song is Since You've Been Gone by Rainbow. It's so catchy. It's catchy as hell. I was like, I was singing that to myself for days after seeing Guardians 3. And I have no memory of what scene it's in. It's also in the trailer. I, I think it's like the trailer song uh, for for Guardians Three, if I remember right. I mean, it's on the the soundtrack and everything. But really good song, like super super catchy chorus. Uh, that song just puts me in a good mood. I just pop it on sometimes if I want a little pick me up. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some other good tracks. Um, I'm always chasing rainbows by Alice Cooper shows up at one point. There's a uh, in the meantime by Space Hog when they're all in their like fancifully colored spacesuits and stuff. Like there's <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some fun moments in there. But I think what takes the cake in terms of needle drops, not just for Guardians Three, but in my opinion for the entire guardians series is the drop that closes out the movie mm. which is florence and the machine dog days are over yes it's maybe my favorite needle drop in all of film frankly it's so good it's the antithesis of the opening scene right in every way like in song choice in like scene composition i mean the the whole opening scene with creep is rocket sadly wandering through the rebuilt nowhere by himself and this ending song is this joyful exuberant dog days are over as everyone gathers together in nowhere and dances and like it's wonderful. It's such an affirming scene. It's it's a beautiful way to cap off all of these characters' stories. I like teared up when like Drax started dancing because it's such a recurring thing in these movies that Drax like refuses to dance because he thinks that it's stupid or whatever. Yeah. And just seeing everybody have this like wonderful cathartic moment of allowing themselves to feel joy which is something that like despite these ostensibly being like pretty comedic films these are not happy characters most of the time that we see them especially in guardians 3 i mean everyone feels pretty terrible in guardians 3 pretty much (laughs) the whole time yeah it's a rough one yeah I, it's just like i don't i can't remember the last time a movie 
put like this big of a smile on my face <laughs> than this dance montage. Like it it genuinely touched me. And again, it, it's not just that it's like this really happy, like fun sounding song, but like lyrically, it's so perfect for the situation. Like if um, if listeners haven't ever like really looked into the lyrics of Dog Days Are Over, like the entire point of the song is essentially about a person who has had a very hard life and has been miserable for so long and then finally reaches a point in their life where they're happy and like how unexpected and almost frightening it is to allow themselves to feel this emotion mm -hmm. it's beautiful and it perfectly encapsulates like what all of these characters are going through and i think like kind of the most emblematic part of that is one of the lines in the chorus of dog days are over is leave all your love and your longing behind you can't carry it with you if you want to survive And that's that's like what the movie is about, right? Like that's the entire theme of Guardians 3 is like Rocket has been carrying this pain with him all along, you know, since before we met him. He needs to let it go and move on. And same with Drax, right? Like he's been carrying the pain of his family dying. Peter has been carrying the pain of Gamora's death this whole movie. Like Nebula, like everyone has been dealing with this like loss and grief and pain and like they need to let it go if they want to get through you know the rest of their lives and it's it's just it's just great to hear this song and to see all of them making that choice to do that and to move on and allow themselves to be happy i love it it's it's one of my favorite needle drops ever. It's one of my favorite scenes in a movie. Like, it's just, it brings me so much joy and comfort. I mean, just just hearing that testimony makes me love it all the more. And it, it <laughs> no, it really does. Like, knowing that a piece of art, a carefully crafted piece of art can uplift someone, uh, it, it was just a, a really nice feeling and it the scene and the choice of music feels earned like they had to go on that awful journey to get this happy ending and that's why it works we don't just get the fun happy song and the dancing because it's the end of the movie yeah absolutely it, it's like when i when i say things like you know music's really important to me or whatever it's like it's because of stuff like this it has this power to like summon this level of emotion in me that and, and in this case it's not just the song you know it's 
it's the whole thing. It's like the way that the song is used and, and all that stuff and all of the character work in the films and all that. But like, if we just had, if we just had the end of Guardians 3 without this scene of the song playing and people dancing, like, that wouldn't be as effective to me. No, I totally agree. The The music adds a lot of emotional weight and that's true for so many soundtracks. I yeah, I feel bad for the silent film era. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, it's true of music. I mean, like, I was talking earlier about David Bowie's, you know, Ziggy Stardust album. And one of the songs that I mentioned is called Rock and Roll Suicide. I love that song. It's like classic Bowie weirdness. You know, like, the lyrics are kind of all over the place or whatever. But... One of the reasons I love it so much is like towards the end, like in the last verse, he I, I don't want to I don't remember the lyrics exactly offhand. And I don't feel like pulling them up, but it, the song is essentially saying, like, if you feel alone, listen to this song and you're not alone because I'm here with you. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. In the feels, as the kids say these days, <laughs> <laughs> right? No, that is, yeah, that's that's powerful. It's it's beautiful, and like as like I I struggle quite badly with depression, and if I'm having a really bad day, and I like throw on that song, it just makes me feel better, right? Because yeah, like David Bowie's not literally like. <laughs> you know, aware that I'm listening to his song or whatever, like, and he's like dead and all that stuff. It's just like the idea that this piece of art connects us. You know, it's like when people say like, oh, sometimes I look up at the night sky and think about the fact that, you know, my friend who lives hours away or whatever is looking up at the same moon and it's like we're connected in that way mm -hmm. like i i think music can be like that definitely but anyway that uh that wraps up my my thoughts on guardians 3 other than to say that the post credit scene has a nice sweet little shout out where they play come and get your love again which is cute oh yeah that's a that's a great callback yeah I, I like that moment a lot. It, like it's it's weird from uh, if you think about it too much that like Rocket and Craglin both uh, like treat it as a continuity nod when they're not in the scene where it plays in the movie, <laughs> the first movie. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Presumably Peter played it a lot on the ship or whatever. Like it's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that brings us to the last entry in our James Gunn needle drop series, which is The Suicide Squad from 2021, not to be confused with that other Suicide Squad, which was not directed by James Gunn. No, but it did feature Katana, who's got my back. <laughs> I'd advise not getting killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. Uh, are you expositing? <laughs> <laughs> Now, can you go in and, and post and add a helicopter roaring over half of my dialogue right there? Yes. <laughs> Done. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when I, when I told Fran that I was watching Suicide Squad, she was like, oh, 
the good one. <laughs> like she has not watched these movies either, but even she who is disconnected from this kind of nerddom area knew to say the good one, right? Yeah. We should uh it's probably worth noting that the first Suicide Squad film is like somewhat notable for needle drops just in kind of the opposite way where it's just annoying because they use a bunch of them all of the time. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely have to have an episode about the misuse of needle drops. For sure. Uh, but yeah, and so one of my, one of the points that I actually wrote down was the restrained use of needle drops in this movie. Um, it actually didn't have a lot of them, and the ones that it did have, some of them were... Or kind of indie music or, uh, you know, not like super pop culture. And we're very well integrated into the scenes. Uh, again, with the, the comment that I had to really think about what I was listening to as the scene was playing. Because this, this was my first time watching The Suicide Squad, so I was taking in everything at once. Yeah, thinking about it, I guess I don't recall there being a ton of them. Um, it's been, I haven't watched it since it first came out, but... It does feel like more, as you were saying, more restrained than the Guardians films. Yeah, I think, and this is not a perfect count, but I think eight is what I noted. Okay, yeah, that seems pretty reasonable for a film of, it's kind of on the longer side, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that sounds that sounds good, like a good good number. The very first song we hear is during the very beginning of the opening sequence, and that's Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. <laughs> Folsom. Folsom, thank you. Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. And, I mean, you don't get to hear a whole lot of it. It just kind of, for me, because I'm not overly familiar with the song, just sets the tone. You know, singing about prison. Makes sense. It's, it's got a good vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's a good track. It's a good track. I like Johnny Cash. I was once called Johnny Cash. <laughs> is it because you wear a lot of black yes at that point <laughs> at that point yeah i was it was a business trip this is gonna be my tangent it was a business trip <laughs> uh, i was younger didn't have a great wardrobe for business trips so i had a black bun button down black slacks and i was probably wearing like neutral black shoes so it was an all-black outfit not really intentionally it was just what i happened to have and this guy he looked at me and he's like, all right, Johnny Cash. <laughs> and and <laughs> continued on with the sentence. And I just sat there for a moment like, what? <laughs> uh, so, yes, that's my claim to fame. <laughs> I was once called Johnny Cash. Yeah, I figured it had to either be a wardrobe thing or you had a really fucked up car. <laughs> just the wardrobe. <laughs> That was a reference to one piece at a time for those keeping track at home. <laughs> your your music knowledge is far broader than mine. You're doing a lot of work here. <laughs> what next? People Who Died by the Jim Carroll Band. This to me was a completely unnecessary song. It's after the big battle on the beach where a bunch of the B team are slaughtered. <laughs> and this, yeah. this song, like this entire scene could have been removed from the movie and no one would know. No one would notice. But it, it's just, 
it's just panning over and the camera's spinning around and it's showing all the, the dead bodies of the B team dead on the beach. And it's just this zany song, like singing about, you know, like those are, those are people who died. <laughs> delightful and terrible uh, it really sets the tone for the whole movie i mean you gotta know what happened to captain boomerang <laughs> gosh uh, i did i did love the scene where uh javelin is giving his javelin to harley which is not an innuendo that's not that, that's literally a javelin uh and she he dies before he can finish his sentence about what she's supposed to do with it, and she's just bewildered, but carries it on anyway. <laughs> I love a good person dies before they finish their sentence gag. That sounds weirdly specific, but... <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, there's a great... In uh, in the, the sitcom, uh, What We Do in the Shadows... There's a great reference. We don't actually see it happen on on screen, but a character has a cursed hat, and uh, he's like, "I I got it off of a a dying man whose last words were, take my hat, it's cursed.'" <laughs> and I thought, "Yes, it is cool." <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that's what's going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or uh, the classic Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail, the Black Beast of. <laughs> oh delightful yes <laughs> not to be confused with the other trope where they uh they trail off and die and then a second later they're like <gasps> and also blah 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 like three <laughs> right, times yeah they're like, of course it's like movies are one up and one up in each other on how many times <laughs> they can come back to say more <laughs> <laughs> I think Harley is such a great character in this movie because the next two songs on my list are also related to her. And they're just a lot of the needle drops. I don't even know if they can be called that because there's not a lot going on around them, really. But um, a lot of the other needle drops are pretty subdued. Whereas the next two, Whistle for the Choir, is... I, I mean, it, it was the background music to Harley and President Silvio Luna just flailing around making out <laughs> in his fancy room breaking things left and right it was just like a really comical sex scene and it felt like the right energy for harley like yeah this takes that trope of that trope i don't even know how to describe it <laughs> of, of wild sex across the house and just turns it up to 11 <laughs> yeah like destruction fucking yeah that's a great term for it <laughs> <laughs> it was I, it was it was great it was very funny and then maybe one of the more iconic scenes I, I can't think of a more interesting scene i guess is just a gigolo by is it lewis or louis prima i'm i i'm guessing louis i'm not familiar with the artist so i'm not for sure all right i'm gonna go with louis prima because that sounds good but you might recall the hallway fight scene with Harley mm -hmm. and her javelin and the machine guns. And just a gigolo, gigolo. and everywhere I go, 
There's just flowers all over the <laughs> yes. place. It it really shows her perception of violence. Because to me, violence is violent. And I I'm fine with it in, in movies and stuff, but And you love it and it's yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a big thing for you. You're a big oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know how violent you are. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a bit unsettling violence these days. But it shows her perception of it how beautiful violence is. And I, I guess that that helps make her a little more relatable. Like she's not seeing what I'm seeing. Yeah, that's a really good point. That perspective shift is very important for having a better understanding of that character. Which is something that that movie is really good at, I think. God, I hate it. I hate how it takes these assholes and makes them likable and gives them a character arc. And you actually <laughs> feel something for them by the end of it. Also, Ratcatcher is the best. Oh, Ratcatcher rocks. Yeah. yeah. Ratcatcher 2. Sorry. <laughs> right. Ratcatcher 1, though, is pretty cool, though, because that's a uh, Taika. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, those were the, the big ones for me. Just a Jiggle, especially that was my favorite. Um, yeah, especially when she's singing the like "I'm so lonely" while she's being tortured. <laughs> I'm so sad and lonely. Sad and lonely. Sad and lonely. <laughs> yes, and and then it's like, oh, that was foreshadowing to the needle drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very meta. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Gunn has proven that he's good at this shit, and he has such a good range as well. Like, I think, I think to be really good at something like this, you need to really know your shit when it comes to music. And across these four movies, like, he has a pretty good range of genres artists sounds you know i mean obviously each guardian film is sort of tied to kind of a specific era but he still manages to fit in a pretty broad range of music and especially with like suicide squad as you noted like kind of a lot of smaller like indie music and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think of when you were thinking about like great songs to score a movie with. Oh yeah. Yeah. There were um, quite a few. I lost the name of it. I looked it up and I forgot to write it down, but the the lyrics are, I don't mind the rain sometimes. And that is kind of a lesser known artist. I think. Oh, uh, is that a pepper by the butthole surfers? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I think I would have remembered that name. <laughs> that song is if it's not in, I don't remember if it's in Suicide Squad. It is in uh, season two of the Umbrella Academy. Ah, I do not recognize it. I used uh, I used my phone to bop the little sound symbol. I sound like I don't know how technology works. It's a the song detector on like the Pixel phones where it'll determine what song is playing so i use that throughout the movie to figure out what the hell i was listening to oh yeah no i just remembered the you said rain that's not the line in mm. pepper never mind it's <laughs> i don't mind 
The pepper is I don't mind the sun sometimes. Oh. My bad. <laughs> Quite different. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there were lots of, of little ones. Um Point of No Return by Kansas. Uh oh yeah. Milson. Milson uh was Milton. Milton with an OT was driving through the checkpoint and it was playing on the radio. Just lots of little inserts. Yeah. But yeah. That's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, I I mean, there's definitely this is definitely a topic we could come back to, I feel like. There's like so many great needle drops in movies and TV. I mean, you know, we talked about like Shaun of the Dead and like some of Edgar Wright's stuff, Baby Driver and yeah. whatnot. That's that's a whole thing that we could do at some point. There's the show Supernatural was actually really good at needle drops. There's a there's a bunch of other stuff to talk about. And we can also talk about the darker side of needle drops and uh, <laughs> movies that maybe need to calm the fuck down about it. <laughs> yeah, I um, I made note of one and I liked this movie. I enjoyed it. I know it's not true to comics and probably upset some people, but I really enjoyed this movie. It was Birds of Prey, but I, I looked it up and there are 25 needle drops in under two hours, as well as a few songs in the credits. Which seems a little excessive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Similarly, like I, I really like the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. The first movie has more needle drops than are necessary. <laughs> it's a craft. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I also, there's like a very specific needle drop phenomena that I would love to touch on at some point, which is specific songs that are chosen to establish a time period there were like three or four movies that came out in quick succession that used i think i'm paranoid by garbage to establish like this is the 90s <laughs> we're in the 90s now <laughs> a quick note listeners the song i was thinking of is actually i'm only happy when it rains by garbage not i think i'm paranoid or i know there's like several songs that i think are used to be like it's vietnam like this is the <laughs> vietnam war right like anyway yeah that would be uh interesting to touch on too i think this is a good point uh to mention listeners if you're there if you made it this far if any of you exist what needle drops and movies do you want us to talk about because this is a whole a whole topic we want to explore so you know email us drop a comment wherever you can find us what should we be watching? What should we be picking apart? Which is the best and the worst needle drop? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Ethan, I have a, a parting question for you. What's up? Hit me. What was the last video game you finished? Jesus. Um. Haven't heard of that one. <laughs> oh, uh, Final Fantasy 16, I think, is the last one that I finished. 16, not 13. No, you're right. Yeah, 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that I played 13 after 16. Oh, yeah, Final <laughs> Fantasy. That's an unfortunate sign. <laughs> uh, yeah, Final Fantasy 13. That is the last game that I finished, I believe. Nice. All right, Baldur's Gate next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good.
Oh shit, I forgot to talk about Scream in this episode. Scream reference. Uh, Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. That's a needle drop, right? (laughs) 